everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church Podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. What are we doing today? Uh, I'm glad you asked. A, a little different as we sort of wrap up this series on holy discontent. I put it out there that I wanted to hear from you uh, an update, what God is up to in your life. Maybe your own holy discontent. Maybe something that you have um, been challenged by over the summer or just, just an update on, uh, on your life and, and how God has been at work. And so uh, some people have gotten in touch with me, and I want to let you now just even, you know, build up your courage to, to share uh, later on in the service. But I want to invite, first of all, Johan to come uh, down to the floor here, and um, he's talking about something that I think is prevalent for all of us in this new normal of social media and how we communicate these days. Johan, tell us a bit about what's been on your heart. Right. So I'm going to just start by reading the scripture. Suppose one of you wants to bring a charge against another believer. Should you take it to an ungodly people to be judged? Why not take it to the Lord's people? Or don't you know the Lord's people will judge the world? Since this is true, aren't you able to judge small cases? Don't you know that we'll judge angels? Then we should be able to judge the things of this life even more. So, so suppose you disagree with one another in matters like this. Who do you ask to decide which is right? Do you ask the people you live with in a way the church disapproves of? Of course not. I say this to shame you. Is it possible that no one among you is wise enough to judge matters between believers? Instead, one believer goes to court against another. And this happens in front of unbelievers. When you take another believer to court, you have lost the battle already. Why not be treated wrongly? Why not be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do it with your brothers and sisters. Yeah, so my holy disconsent, as Jonathan was saying, is about what Christians post online. Um, I was having a discussion with a colleague and friend at work, and, um, and uh, we were talking about um, intelligent design. And he, he, he challenged me and said, um, well, tell me one scientist who doesn't believe in evolution. And I, I gave him the name of Hugh Ross, who um, heads up Reasons for Belief. And he goes and searches online, and what he found was loads of Christians just putting him down. And... Um, And it seems to happen all the time. In, instead of dealing with things within the church, we are putting them out there um, in the court of public opinion. And um, I just, yeah, I think it's wrong. And um, so if you see stuff like that, I would just say don't join the argument. Um, just leave it alone. And uh, 
definitely don't start it. Um, it's always better to do these things face to face. I think there was one time where <coughs> Jonathan, I wasn't sure that I had a different theological view on something that Jonathan said on a Sunday morning. And um, I was going to send him an email, but my, my wife, who's really wise, told me, no, don't send him an email, go and talk to him. And so we had breakfast together, and we just talked about it. And, of course, it came around to my point of view. But, <laughs> but it's, uh, um, no, but it's good to do these things face-to-face and, um, and not, not just do it in public. I mean, it just... If, if we weren't, we're talking about in the fall about going out into the world and drawing people to us, and this just puts up barriers. I'm also concerned about some of the jokes and stuff that we share... Yeah, well, I was talking to my son last week, and um, Ro, um, some of you know, and uh, at the moment he's not involved in the church, and and one of one of the reasons is um, how the church has treated the LGBTQ community, and you know he was just commenting on some of the stuff he's seen that people have posted, and it 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 upset him, and it it didn't draw him into the church, it pushed him away, and. Um, I think if James was writing today, he might say, be slow to post. Consider carefully what you write online. If it's not encouraging or uplifting, don't do it. And so we're heading into this election season. And so, you know, I'll just challenge you not to post jokes about parties that you disagree with. Um, or don't support. You can post things about um, policies and what you do. And if you can't find something possible to, positive to say, maybe don't post anything at all. Yeah. I think of the times I have written something to someone or about someone that I would never say to them, I never have the guts to say, and there's a reason for that, because it was inappropriate and just mean-spirited and uh, that's just a good challenge for me we're supposed to be reconcilers and it's really hard to be considered reconcilers of the world when we are putting out vitriol um, I want to invite my wife Vicki and in a not totally unrelated holy discontent um, she had such good intentions, and I think you'll be able to relate to this, where she got up early, wanted to spend time with God, and uh, she shared with me what actually happened. Hello. I wrote it down so that I, so it's not like a long thing, but um, yeah, like Jonathan said, I got up early, and I was intending to I pictured I was going to go into my front room where my piano is. There's beautiful windows, some chairs, and you can see trees and birds and spend time with God. So by that I mean um, praying, some Bible reading, um, listening. I even look outside and delight in nature, and then it, and it brings gratitude. So I, that's what I do. That's what I like to do. So that morning, it was last Saturday, actually, I figured out that it was last Saturday, Got up, I made coffee, grabbed my coffee, my Bible, and my phone, and I went to the front room, and I sat down, and I think what happened was I thought, I'm just going to check my email really quick. So I just, just flicked on my phone, and I 
what happened was totally fuzzy from that point on. Like, an hour went by. I'm serious. <laughs> an hour. I looked at... Not that much, no. <laughs> I, a whole hour, and I've been on my phone longer than that, so don't take it as a, like, oh, I've been on my phone longer than an hour, but I had intended, I had Bible, I had the place, like, I, it was specifically for that. So, that made me kind of crazy. I could not believe that that can happen when you're not focused. So, I wrote out some things, so just bear with me if it's a little choppy, but what happened was um, I told Jonathan about it, and he challenged me to talk about it with you, and so when he did that, I asked God, what do you want me to say, and what's what's the thing that's bugging me and bugging you, and um, so lots of things came out of it, which was kind of awesome, so confession time who would resonate of good intentions that just went yeah yeah yay good. i mean but not me but yay <laughs> so this title came to me the subtlety of distraction and maybe it's a book or something somewhere but anyways distraction i looked it up in the dictionary cuz that's a thing you speakers do um, a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else or and I found this one a little interesting, extreme agitation of the mind or emotions. <laughs> Anyways, distractions allow us to stay on the surface. Just think about that for a second. I'm reading this book um, called Falling Upward by Richard Rohr, and so it's cool how God uses the things that you're currently doing and, and learning, and he just kind of redeems it. So this is the first half of a quote I want to share with you. We dare not try to fill our souls and minds with numbing addictions, diversionary tactics, or mindless distractions. The shape of evil is much more superficiality and blindness than the usually listed hot sins. And so what are some of your go-to distractions? I'll tell you mine. It's maybe not that unique, but my phone, of course, the apps on my phone, Netflix, and food. So, of course, I'm not saying throw out your phone. Um, if there is something, though, in your life that you keep going back to mindlessly, so I underlined, or triple underlined, mindlessly, you may want to drop it for a season or at least change your relationship with it. And it reminded me of the um, passage, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So that's like the opposite of what I was doing. <laughs> it's just kind of sitting there. Um, so I'm just, I wrote out some kind of instructions for me, and you can take it or leave it. Check in with yourself. I'm going to check in with myself and with God. I'm going to ask some questions, and you can add more questions, but... Is this what I'm doing for the glory of God? So am I eating right now? Is this for the glory of God? Is this good for my body? Is it, I don't know. You, you ask God. It's between you two. Does it bring life? Is this keeping me from relationships with God, with others? God can redeem all of the lost hours. That's something he told me too in this last week. It's not like, oh, I failed, it's gone. 
he's redeeming it. So even just in me talking about it, I feel like maybe some of you are challenged. Maybe one of you is challenged. Maybe it's just sinking in more with me, and that's good. I'll share the second half of this quote. God hides and is found precisely in the depths of everything, even maybe and especially in the deep fathoming of our fallings and failures. Sin is to stay on the surface of even holy things like Bible, sacrament, or church. He isn't uh, shaming me or you. He's inviting us deeper with him. And even as I confess the distractions that I go to, he already knows them, first of all, and he forgives me and is delighted that I'm listening. So ask him, how can I use Netflix or my phone or my food, any of your things, for your glory? And some of those things, I can think of things like food. You know, you invite people over and you fellowship and you, that's for his glory. You're connecting with people, his body. Um, Netflix, I haven't really come up with one yet. So <laughs> I might be going off Netflix for a time and I think that's, that's okay. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Vicki. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I asked her because it, it just resonated with me, and her story is my story, and it sounds like it's a lot of people's story. Last year, uh, it wasn't even a year ago, Christina Bonham had a great experience in South America, and uh, Christina, would you be able to come up? She, it impacted her so much that, well, I'll let her tell about it, but um, tell us a bit about that experience in Guatemala. Guatemala, yeah. So I traveled to Guatemala last November, and it really was um, a life-changing experience for me. Um, one of the areas of sort of social injustice that I'm passionate about is really this um, plague, I think, that poverty is in our world. And I really believe strongly that um, we have the ability to eradicate poverty with really very simple things. Yes. Um, it's access to housing, it's food, it's education, um, especially for girls. Mm. So um, I really believe strongly about that. Um, my career is in housing. I work for the region and um, um, you know, give housing to vulnerable people. And some of the things that I'm challenged day to day on that is that um, there are 14,000 people waiting for subsidized housing here in York Region. And um, on any given day, I will offer housing to people, and I've had many people turn down offers of housing because um, the rooms weren't big enough. It had carpet instead of hardwood floor. These are people that are supposed to be in crisis. So that's kind of my everyday struggle. Um, and don't get me wrong, I also have people that are so grateful um, after waiting a decade for that opportunity. But it's sort of like one extreme to the other. And so um, on a personal level, um, one of the things that I struggle with, I guess, in my faith and in my experience is sort of turning my faith into action. So last year, um, God was just calling me to be obedient in a very simple way. So I had heard about this trip through a friend and God just challenged me, just go and do this thing. And, and so I did. And it was really life-changing in that way of just, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Um, the things that we did, we were just really showing love. Like the Guatemalan people, 
um, are so starving for love and they're so open to God. I have, I've just never known it, um, an experience like that. And so, um, you know, we showed love to them by bringing them medicine and, and healthcare and um, building houses. So, um, and this church actually sponsored a house that we built for a widow. Um, sorry, not a widow. She was actually just abandoned. So I don't know if you call mm. a woman in her um, late 30s that was abandoned by her husband because she couldn't have children. Mm. Um, so uh, her name was Norma. And um, the houses that we built in Guatemala, we did four of them. Um, by our standards, it's an aluminum shed, a 12 by 12 aluminum shed with a concrete floor and it's a palace to them and um, in the course of one day we changed this woman's life because she would no longer be dependent she was sent back to live with her parents because she was abandoned by her husband she in that culture um, it's it's uh, very much like you really don't have a life unless you're married and have kids like that's the goal of, of their life in that culture it's very prominent so her prospects for her future were very limited. So um, now she is no longer a burden to her family and um, she can live a different kind of life. She's just given, been given such freedom. And, um, um, you know, for them, like the Guatemalan people, it's so beautiful because they're not looking for a handout. Like the very last thing that they want is um, for white people to jump in and save the day and um, give them handouts. They don't want that. I've never seen a people work harder than they do. Um, you know, they toil the fields. Um, most of them work in agriculture for dollars a day. Um, you know, we met families who live at a dump, like an actual waste facility. They build shacks out of whatever. And kids that are shoeless and toddling around are collecting garbage um, and recycling, and a family of four would do that for about 10 Canadian dollars a day, and that's how they survive. So it's just mind-blowing. But they are so grateful um, for um, an opportunity to change their, the course of their life. So when they have access to food and housing, um, and especially education, you really give them the power to change their life. So. Um, I knew when I did it that um, I would want to do that experience again. It's not a one-and-done kind of a thing. Um, it was something that um, I knew I had to go back and do. And so um, when I came back, I kind of immediately, they offered the next trip, trip for this November, and I kind of hesitated. And, you know, because there's life, right? And I'm busy, and uh, there's things. So, um, and and it's, then... It's a, it's a financial... Sure, Sacrifice. sure, yeah. absolutely. There's lots of reasons yep. that I said, oh, just wait. And then the trip filled up. Um, and because the teams are about 15 people. So it filled up, lost my chance. And I'm like, oh, okay, lost my chance. I'll have to do it another time. Put it on the back burner and kind of forgot about it, to be honest, um, until we sort of did this series again. And it kind of just reignited that um, for me to just know that... Um, this is something I have to do. Um, I just have to simply show God's love in a tangible way for my own faith and um, to be obedient to God. And so one of the cool things, um, so I'm going back May 2020. And uh, the cool thing about this time is um, Flannery, my daughter, who's almost seven, is coming with me. Mm. 
So um, the last time I went, um, a family had brought their two kids, uh, eight and 13. I had never really thought about like bringing kids along. I guess people do. But it was such an amazing experience to see these kids who didn't share language play with each other and connect and share God's love. And so um, anyway, so we're going to experience that for ourselves. And, and um, one of the lessons I know that I have to remind myself um, that the people of Guatemala teach so well is that um, gratitude, you know, um, and to be reminded how privileged we are and to just be content um, in our life. And so those are lessons that I want my daughter to have. And so I'm hopeful that that's going to be just an amazing experience. And um, so we're looking forward to that. And there are still four, four spots, maybe five, on the team, so if there's anyone, like believe me, you have to have no qualifications. You don't have to. You don't have to know how to build anything because I do not build things. Um, you really just need to like love these people. Um, you know, you give them a hug. They're so just starving for that. So um, they tell us how to do everything. It's very simple. Um, it's very safe. Um, and so, if there is anyone that I could challenge today to just jump in and join us. Um, Literally, you probably have like a month or two to decide before those opportunity is gone. So mm -hmm. I would just love to share that experience with some people here at NAC. So that's yeah. awesome. Thank you. What what an experience for Flannery too. Um, I wasn't gonna throw you under the bus right away, but hey, while we're doing the Bonham uh, family singers, uh, this is Jeremy, and uh, he's Christina's. Um, I was going to say better half, but that seems inappropriate somehow. How about significant other? And um, a man of few words, and, and yet, you know, you've been challenged over this last several years. T tell us a bit about what God's doing in your heart. Okay, tough act to follow yeah. there, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I will do my best. Um, I'm going to label my holy discontent under a vague umbrella of social injustice, um, I would say that this journey for me started about 10 years ago uh, with a little book entitled The Irresistible Revolution. I don't know if anybody's read it. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's by Shane Claiborne. You may know the name. He uh, runs a, or he doesn't run, he is part of a community experiment down in the States uh, called The Simple Way. Um, anyway. Uh, his book just really opened my eyes to living out a faith that I kind of knew was inside of me, but wasn't sure how to express it. Um, the idea of loving people and just following like the two greatest commandments that Jesus told us to follow, love God and love your neighbor. Mm. Um, so, and so often we get caught up in various other things. Anyway, uh, so that kind of opened my eyes to the start of this whole social justice, social injustice thing. Um, and then I decided to go back to school. Um, I took a Bachelor of Environmental Studies. Now, for those of you who don't know, Environmental Studies is not about trees. It is a social science so it really studies the effects of environments as a whole, from urban to rural to forests, I guess, and their effect on us as people. 
Um, and it looks at the history of it and how certain environments have been built that create marginalization of other communities, of other individuals, of specific communities. Um, it really was quite eye-opening. Um, I, and I enjoyed it so much, I went back for a master's degree in it. Ooh. Uh, so that was fun, not really. Um, but uh, it, was, it was very eye-opening. Uh, I remember talking to Jonathan a few months, or several months back now, and I told him that when I went to Bible college, I learned theology, but it wasn't until I went to a secular university that I actually learned empathy, mm. um, which is interesting. So putting the two together, I was able to kind of work out a faith and an idea of how to live my faith the way that I always kind of thought I should be, but never really was able to. So really it just means loving people and being aware of these social injustices that are going on. Now, that is a very broad, um, <clears throat> broad umbrella. Poverty falls under it, marginalization falls under it, oppression falls under it, um, several other things, uh, keeping certain groups pushed aside so that other groups can thrive. Um, so I don't really know how to live out my life on, in the way that, like Christina is actually doing something active. Myself, I just try and read everything I can. <laughs> I've got several books on the go. Uh, one is about extreme cities at the moment and how cities have been designed to essentially fail poor communities when it comes to climate change and we need to do better planning. Uh, another one is about community, uh, something that I feel very strongly about and which I love about this church. It's very community oriented, not just within but also without. I always love what you say at the end of every sermon. Um, so living out my life is more about the academics of it right now, trying to figure out how it works. Um, as many of you may know, I'm an assistant manager at Walmart just up the road, uh, which is always a struggle because right there I'm working in capitalist kingdom and I'm not a big believer in the capitalist way of life, but here I am. So uh, I just try and live out my my faith and love the people that I work with, show them generosity, show them love. Uh, and I try and do that wherever I am. Uh, so like this journey is still ongoing mm -hmm. and there may come a day where something active, more active comes along. But right now I just continue to fill my head um, and with everything that's going on and keeping abreast of things. Um, one of the big things right now that's on my mind is uh, the stuff that's going on in the States and kind of this backlash from a lot of white Americans. And it happens in Can it's happening in Canada as well. Uh, so don't think that we're off the hook. Um, but I read an article yesterday that uh, had this quote in it. Uh, when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. So I don't know if many of you are aware, but in Boston, 
two days ago, there was a straight pride parade and it's kind of a backlash to the equality that's being given to the LGBTQ community where, uh, where straight people now feel like, well, we need to have a pride parade too when in reality that's just going out for a walk on a Saturday because they're privileged. <laughs> so <clears throat> it was interesting. I really liked that quote because it really explains to me a lot of what's going on in the world and in America and Canada, this backlash against equality. We have been so accustomed to our privilege that as we are giving equality to these marginalized groups, it feels like we are being oppressed when in reality we are sharing the equality that we have been given. So I want to leave you with that. Uh, sorry, it's not a scripture reference, but, uh, and yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Amen. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. A really good, a really good setup for our series starting next week about what does it mean to, to, live this kingdom life outside these church walls. Jesus has left the building and he's, he's with Jeremy in Walmart and he's with Sydney at school and, you know, and we live this kingdom life out there as well. I just want to check, is, is Gloria Graf here? No. Uh, some of you may remember Gloria shared with us a few weeks ago and uh, she sent me this update, and I, I feel like it's an important update, um, if, if you'll allow me just to read it. In our summer series of Holy Discontent, the, the messages on the sanctity of life, human trafficking, the porn problem, have touched on the vulnerability of individuals who have little or no voice. This is a personal story, a struggle for restitution and justice, and a final answer to anguished prayer. As many of you know, I was widowed in my 20s with two young daughters aged five weeks and 19 months to raise on my own. What many of you don't know is that I remarried, a pastor's son, no less. You'd think that would be a safe bet, a good choice. Um, it's never a good choice to marry a pastor's son. I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what I didn't know was that this pastor's son had dark secrets he had kept hidden. Those secrets soon revealed themselves in the form of psychological and emotional abuse. I stayed for 21 years in that marriage. You're thinking... Why on earth did she stay so long? Well, here's an overview of what kind of relationship is like and why it's so difficult to free oneself from it. When you're in the midst of psychological or emotional abuse, it can be easy to miss the persistent undercurrent of abusive behavior. Psychological abuse involves a person's attempt to frighten, control, or isolate you. It's in the abuser's words and actions as well as their persistence in these behaviors. Behaviors such as humiliation, negating, criticizing, these tactics are meant to undermine your self-esteem. The abuse is harsh and unrelenting in matters big and small, name-calling, character assassination. This usually involves the word always. Basically, they say, you're not a good person. Yelling, screaming, swearing, meant to intimidate you. It might be accompanied by fist-pounding or throwing things, patronizing public embarrassment, dismissiveness, joking. The jokes might have a grain of truth to them or, or be a complete fabrication. Either way, they're made to make you look foolish. It was because of a Christian friend who saw these signs that she'd lived through and was able to free herself that I was able to actually begin to start the process of basically fleeing such abuse. The abuse didn't just fall on me. 
It also fell on my two daughters, but with a more evil twist. Because of the isolation and control my ex-husband had on us, the stories of the sexual abuse my daughters endured did not surface until they went to university. Last summer, they were mentally healthy enough to come forward and report the abuse to the police. At that time, God gave me a specific verse from Micah 6.8. He was told, Oh man, what is good? Sorry, I think she misspelled here. Do man what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to seek justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? It has been a year of anxious prayer, as my ex-husband's plea was not guilty. Myself and my daughters were subpoenaed to appear in court on September 9th and 10th next week. We kept praying. I reminded God of the verse he gave me. Well, three days ago, each of us received a call from the detective constable on the case. My ex-husband had changed his plea to guilty on the advice of his lawyer. And he is to be sentenced, but the crown is asking, he is yet to be sentenced, but the crown is asking two to three years imprisonment that he be put on sexual offenders list and that he have three years probation with intense counseling. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. God has fulfilled his words. They are true and they are powerful and he is good. God hears the voices of the vulnerable, and he acts. Amen. So it is a God who loves justice, and I'm sure they are working through issues of forgiveness. And what does that look like? But justice was needed in this case as well. And so we're, we are grateful that there is a... Uh, as happy an ending as there can be to a story like this. This is a court case taking place in Lindsay. And uh, I know Gloria has just felt a weight lifted off her as he has maybe begrudgingly owned up to some of his past. I wonder now, is there anybody else who just has a an update, a word from the Lord, uh, a story that they'd like to share. I'm not going to put the pressure on you or anything, but I want to give you this opportunity to, to tell a bit about what God might be doing in your life. Uh, I guess one of the things that really hit me in this Holy Discontent um, series was the one about, well, there were so many. I could identify with almost all of them and feel like, oh, I've got to do something in this area and this area and this area. But, but one of the things when I heard the, um, the one on porn, and I think, and when he said that I wasn't actually able to be here then, but I heard the, heard the, um, heard the podcast, and he said that Newmarket is a hotspot for this. And I think with the kids going back to school, we desperately need to pray for them and just, you know, to plead the blood of the lamb over them. There is so much out there that, that can influence our kids, in, mm. our grandkids, in um, such evil ways. Mm. And so it's just um, a reminder that we, we need to up uphold them and lift them up into the arms of Jesus Amen. and trust him Amen. to protect them from from these things and to um, 
keep their hearts pure before the Lord. Heather, as a mother and a grandmother, I think there's something pretty powerful about the prayers of grandmothers. I just, would you just quickly pray into that? Sure. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are such a great and wonderful God, Mm -hmm. and that, Father, that your heart is that um, our children and grandchildren would grow up to know you in an intimate way, that, Father, that they would grow into um, a powerful testimony for your glory, Lord. And, Father, there is so much evil out there. And, Father, we just sang about how great and powerful your name is. And, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are greater than he that is in the world. You are greater than this whole pornography um, um, draw that is in this world. And so, Father, we plead the blood of the Lamb over our children, over our grandchildren, over the youth of Newmarket, of this world, Lord God, that, Father, that you, your name would be raised up, Lord God, that, Father, that they would walk in your in your glory, Lord God. Order their footsteps, Lord mm-hmm. God. Close their ears to um, to people that are speaking death, really, into yes. them, Lord God. And Father, encourage them with your word. Yes. Lord, bring godly friends around them to that they can encourage each other, that they can speak life into each other. So, Father, thank you for your love, Lord mm-hmm. God. Thank you that each one of us and each, each, each of our children and each of our grandchildren, Lord God, are treasured yes. children of yours. Yes, so, Father, we ask you to protect them, put a hedge around them and yes. protect them, Lord God. Keep their eyes pure. Keep their ears pure. Lord God, keep their hearts pure before you. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that you love them Uh and that you care for them. And we put them into your arms, Lord God. There's no safer place for them to be. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 And just a good opportunity to remind you of, of our desire to start groups, a male group and a female group. Uh, for those s- struggling or want to continue the conversation about pornography, maybe supporting somebody in their own family who is struggling with this. And so uh, let me know via email if this is a group maybe that you'd like to participate in. Is there anybody else before we close? Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on up too. So yeah, go ahead, Brittany. Just kind of a thought that I had. Um, throughout the... It has been a couple months that we've been doing this. Um, I think that God has just revealed more of the beauty of the church to me mm. um, in that he's so creative that he's given us each something different to be yeah. just bothered by, um, righteously bothered by. And um, I just find that such a beautiful thing. And to be okay to be bothered by it, but know that God has already won. That's right. And to... Um, not to get defeated um, when we think about these big things going on, but just rest in knowing that 
He's already beat it, and he's won, that's and he's good, victorious. That's a good word, Brittany, because I, I, I thought, I don't want us to leave here with a list of, of grievances. Uh, they do affect God's heart, but man, he, he's one, and there'll come a day when every tear will be dried, every cancerous tumor will be gone, every traffic person will be saved. And so we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. This is my friend Josh. Okay, so I've been going through a lot this couple of weeks when I'm listening to all these sermons and stuff like that. And I want to encourage all of you that there is a God up there. Uh, he healed my mom. Mm. She tried everything, medicine, uh, going to the doctors. Nothing really worked. She came to church and 10 of the head pastors prayed for her. And slowly, miraculously, she started to heal. Mm. So uh, my faith got a little stronger. And when it comes to temptation... I think it's best to run, remove, and resist. Soon as you, soon, it's like a bumblebee coming inside. You have to let it go. You know, sometimes it's, the, it's coming attacking you, but if you resist the devil, he will resist you. Mm. That's what I'm trying to say. So this week I got tempted like left, right, and center, but I had no intention to do that. You know what I'm saying? So the more you, you have to try harder. The more you, you get tempted and do all these things, you got to literally stop. You got to stop and then just focus, focus on God, like glasses, you know, you got to focus, lens. And then honestly, like you draw close to God and then he will hear you. Amen to that or what? He yeah. hears you. <laughs> he hears you no matter what you're going through. You can go through the worst possible situation, but God hears you. He loves you. He will never leave you, forsake you. Amen. I just have to put that up. Amen. I just have to put that up. Preach, preach, preacher. We're all, we're all, as soon as you accept Jesus as your personal savior, we're all priests because you are a royal priesthood. So we all have access to God. God loves you. Just pour out your hearts to him. He hears you. He loves Amen. you. Amen. I spoke too soon about getting, uh, getting out of here on time, but I'm going to give the last word to, I'm sorry, Stephanie's sister, but that's not your given Christian name. I'm Stephanie's sister. Yes. And Beryl's daughter. Yes. And Jerry Jeffs is my dad. And um, just because you're brought up in a Christian home doesn't mean that you're going to be a Christian. But I just want to say what he was saying. There can be cracks in your armor. Um, I've gone through a little bit of a journey. Um, I'm on dialysis at the moment. I've had three comas. I've um, recently, I had a stroke in my eye. And, um, you know, through all that, God is so wonderful. Amen. He has really, as it says, I forget where, numbers somewhere, but he goes before you. That's and right. he does go before you because every time I woke up, I never doubted God. I never doubted God's blessings. And I'm supposed to be at the end of my life at the moment on dialysis, and it's been four years. And I just prayed to see grandchildren, you know, but they're seven and almost 10 now, so God Amen. can go beyond what you ask for. <laughs> but I just want to say, there is cracks in your armor, and you just have to wake up every day and say to Jesus, you know what my day's going to be like, you know what I need, you fill my needs, and he's pretty wonderful. Amen. And uh, I can say that. Oh, That's what all. a savior. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> Um, yeah, praise God. This is a, this is a, you are a 
you are a lovely people. You are, you are a loving people. I feel loved. I mean, Chris comes here on her holiday, her last Sunday of off, and she wants to be with you people, apparently. So you're doing something right. Um, you're a good people, and God is present when we gather. And uh, it's great to come to church on Sunday. Um, but as we heard today, it's really great to not just come to church, but to go be the church. And so that's my challenge to you. Go be the church. You are loved. God bless you.